get to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And today we finish up a, a three-week series that we've called uh, Call to Prayer. The last three weeks we've been uh, looking at three different New Testament prayers uh, that encourage us in a prayerfulness. Philippians 1, a call that we would be a people praying for and with one another to keep growing up in, in Christ's likeness. Last week we were in 2 Corinthians 1 and a call for us to, uh, to pray for one another because our God is a God of all comfort, so praying for one another in the midst of uh, affliction or suffering, that the Lord would comfort us, and the Lord has equipped us as His people to comfort one another. And then uh, today, the prayer is from 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verses 1-5, through 5, and it's a prayer that the Word of God would spread rapidly. So here's the passage as we get into it. In addition, in the CSB translations, 2 Thessalonians 3, 1-5, through 5, in addition, Brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. There are roughly uh, 7.8 billion people on this planet, and approximately 3.2 billion of those people live in unreached people groups, unreached with the gospel of God's, God's grace, unreached for a variety of reasons, from language barriers to geographic and um, uh, terrain barriers to oppressive and evil governments which would hinder the work of Christianity and persecute the Christian faith. According to the Joshua Project, there are around 7,400 unreached people groups. And so we partnered with Ethnos 360 to send missionaries like the Valves and LeBlancs to reach an unreached people group in Papua New Guinea. It's a multi-year mission, 5, 10, 15, 20-year type of mission to invest into a people group, get to know that people group, learn their language, translate the scriptures, teach the Bible, start a church, raise up disciple-making elders and leaders. It's a multi-year, 15, 20-year generational type of investment. But the mission is worth it because people and their eternal souls are worth it. Jesus laid down His life. And so we want to be about the mission of Jesus so that all people would know that He is the way, the truth, and the life. 3.2 billion unreached people, 7,400 unreached groups. These numbers are so large, they're easy to dismiss. They're easy to hold at a distance. This is one reason we desire going deep with, with uh, one unreached people group in Papua New Guinea over many years to focus our, our resources, our prayer, our love toward those who we are hoping to send and those who we are praying that we would be, that would be reached with the gospel to hold, to hold this, this one missionary group and this one unreached people group, hold them close, invest into them, not at, at, not at arm's length, but hold them close and see the word of the Lord spread rapidly to them over the years. To see our eternal family in Christ grow as a result from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So if it's easy to dismiss that, if it's, if, if it's easy to look at these large numbers and hold them at arm's length, let's bring it closer, personal, day, our day in and day out worlds. Who in your life doesn't trust in Jesus yet as Savior? That they're not following Him as Lord yet. They could be confessing as an atheist or an agnostic 
Or maybe they'd say, sure, I'm a Christian, but their reasoning would have less to do about Jesus and more about, well, I'm not this religion over here, so by default, I must be a Christian. Or because I, I grew up in this area, that means I'm a Christian. Or, well, I try to do good, so that means I'm a Christian. But their reasoning would have little to do with Jesus and the gospel. Who in your life are you praying that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly to, and that you'd enjoy eternal fellowship with them when this brief life is over? For some of you parents, it's your kids, whether young, young or old. Others of you, it's family members like spouses, parents, siblings, aunts, uncles, or maybe it's friends, neighbors, maybe your boss at work, maybe one of your employees, maybe your coworker. In my own life, I can think of neighbors of ours who we are seeking to love well and pray for, or co-workers of, of my wife, or extended family members of, of ours, or our kids' families. So thinking personally and locally, do you have a face or two in mind? Even as you think of Papua New Guinea, can you envision, can you imagine an unreached group that needs to hear of Jesus, needs to hear his name? needs to hear of his work. Brothers and sisters, pray that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and that these people who we love would be reached. Reached with the gospel, with the hope and love of Jesus, no longer separated, but joined to the Lord through faith alone and by grace alone, no longer living for themselves, but for the one who died and rose again for them, set free from sin and condemnation so that they might live free in Christ, be devoted to him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength this particular passage of truth from second thessalonians 3 explicitly calls us to be prayerful as we go and make disciples prayerful that the word of the lord would spread rapidly to the lost ones that the lord would faithfully and steadily grow his faith family increasing daily those who are being saved the sovereign lord who alone saves has commanded his sons and daughters the parts of his body the sheep of, of his flock He's commanded us to pray, to pray, confessing our dependence upon him, knowing that he alone is faithful to save. That if he can reach and save you and I, then we are living, breathing testimonies that he can save anyone, that no one is beyond his reach. So may our prayerfulness as his people lead to fruitfulness in the kingdom. The Apostle Paul is writing these letters, writing these words to the Thessalonian church. In fall of 2020, we preached through 1 Thessalonians, which the Lord, uh, between you and me, the Lord used that letter providentially as a, as a significant encouragement to my work as a pastor. But in Acts 17, we read that Paul and his missionary team came to the town of Thessalonica, and verses 2 through 4 says this, As usual, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of the leading women. So, in short, a church was planted right there. Missionaries came to town, preached the good news of Jesus Christ, his birth, life, death, and resurrection, and now people who are in need of salvation recognize Jesus is their salvation. They trust in him. A church is formed. As verse 4 describes, people responded. And then you read in verse 4 of Acts 17, picking up where we left off, but the Jews became jealous 
And they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. And so persecution comes toward this missionary team and those who they are assisting, who are assisting them. And as a result, Paul and his team are forced to leave town and move on. And yet, we'll see the Lord sustain his church, even in adversity. Because the the church is not built on the cornerstone of, of Paul, for instance, it's built on the cornerstone of Christ, the risen King of Kings, Lord of Lords. The foundation of the church is not built on anything natural or earthly or temporary. We serve and worship a supernatural God who has been building and continues to build and strengthen His church, expanding His family for centuries, including in times of adversity and persecution. We see it in Acts. We see it around the globe today. The Lord will build and is building His supernatural church. Thessalonian church is planted in quick fashion. Missionaries have to leave town. And so Paul, who loves this church, then sends two letters back to encourage and instruct them. First and second Thessalonians. So the five verses we're looking at today in verses 1 and 2, Paul is calling this church to pray for him and his missionary team. That, the, that their team would continue to reach the unreached. Verse 3, it is a call to we can pray because our God is faithful. We pray because he's faithful. And then verses 4 and 5, it, we read about how Paul is praying for the Thessalonian church, that they would live life on mission. So verse 1 again in the CSB translation, in addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it is with you. When our daughter was growing up, uh, she played volleyball in middle school and high school. One of the teams that uh, they played was a private school. I think this was more high school than it was middle school, but I think it was after every set, every time out, this team would come out of the huddle and they'd be saying, pray for us! That's my best imitation. Pray for us! Pray for us! All the time. Ten plus years later, I still remember it. Okay? I thought, sure, I'll pray for you. I got some thoughts. But that would be self-centered, competitive, so... I'm still growing in Jesus, but in the same repetitive way, Paul continually asked the Christians from other churches in the letters of the New Testament to pray for him. We saw the same request last week in 2 Corinthians. Here's what Paul knew and what we too often forget. Paul knew that the fruitfulness of kingdom ministry and that the faithfulness of kingdom workers engaged in that ministry, it was dependent upon prayer he knew prayer mattered the prayer affected the outcome in to put it bluntly he knew the prayer worked the prayer was effective brothers and sisters in christ may we grow in our prayerful dependence in the months ahead may we see evidence of his his answers to prayer his faithfulness his grace in response to our prayerfulness so what's paul praying for First of all, he says that that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. So word of the Lord, meaning the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the story that in creation all was perfect. God's original design was flawless, all in harmony. But then his created people wandered and strayed. They thought they knew better. They rejected him, his relationship, living life under his loving authority. They said, we'd rather do life apart from you. 
And as a result, sin into the world and death and separation with it. But God saw us in our desperate, sin-laden need, saw that we were lost and in need of rescuing sick and in need of healing, and He made a way possible. The Father would send the Son on a rescue mission, born of a virgin, tempted in every way as we are, yet remain sinless, spotless, living the perfect life of loving the Father and loving people. And he would end up dying in our place, born in order to die, substituting himself, taking the wrath of God upon himself, the wrath towards sin, bearing the penalty of that so that we could live. So the people could be saved through placing their faith and trust in the Lord and his work upon the cross, declaring that I can't save myself. I'm in need of salvation I'm in need of healing and freedom from sin, and I can't do that on my own. So God's people, those who place their faith and trust in Jesus, we are saying, I can't do this on my own, but Jesus has done the work. He is a sufficient Savior. Because on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, later ascended to heaven. One day is returning to judge the living and the dead, make all things new in eternity for those who trust in Christ. All things will be in harmony as they were in Genesis 1 and 2. No more suffering, only abundant joy. We can't imagine this side of heaven. Absolutely nothing marked or stained by sin. No weariness, no struggle, no frustration, no envy, no pain. This is the gospel of God's grace. That he is making every wrong right, all things new. This is the good news that the church from the New Testament to now is called to proclaim to anyone and everyone. Because no one is beyond his reach. All are invited to repent of their sin and their old way of life. Turn toward Jesus Christ by faith and receive eternal life. Do you trust in Jesus, friends? Students, are you trusting in Jesus? Is it a personal faith to you? It can't just be your parents' faith. Are you trusting in Christ? Are you following him as here? Lord, is he the king of your life? anyone listening today is the day of salvation humbly surrender to him today give him your life he's worthy of your complete trust so paul is saying that the word of the lord he's praying that it would spread rapidly meaning to see it run fast like an olympic athlete without hindrance or obstacle it would run freely quickly swiftly for nearly two years we've heard messaging to slow or stop the spread of covid well, here, as it relates to the gospel, it is let it spread rapidly. Let it be contagious. Let it go, actually, from person to person, household to household, generation to generation. Close contact? Yes, all the close contacts. Scoot in. We want close contacts because the word of the Lord spreads through contacts. It, it spreads through relationships, through people, through God's people. And we want to see it spread swiftly, bringing the dead in sin alive in Christ, rejoicing at the lost being found, the sick with sin healed by his wounds. As one who preaches the word, I've always been greatly encouraged by, by what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 50, 55, verses 10 and 11. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth, and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so 
my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. This is the picture of the word going out like rain, causing growth. And this is not just about preaching. You sharing Jesus, you sharing the gospel, whether it be with someone you live with, someone you work with, do life with, it never returns void. There's a supernatural work happening when we open our mouth by faith and share Jesus. It never returns void. It does what the Lord has intended it to do. It's going to accomplish what the Lord intends for it to accomplish. Paul's also praying that the word would be honored. So he's praying people will come to faith in Christ, that the word will spread rapidly, and he's praying that from their conversion to Christ, they'll keep on growing up. That they would honor the Lord himself and his word as they humbly live under his loving authority, because as 1 John 5, 3 says, his commands are not burdensome. Paul's praying that saved people will make progress in their spiritual maturity. That they won't remain infants in Christ all their life, but for the rest of their years, they'll keep growing up as a disciple of Jesus, honoring the Lord and his words of life with their daily life. Paul reminds the Thessalonians that they themselves honored the Lord. He says, just as it was with you, he writes at the end. If so, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians 2.13, we read of how this church was started, how they honored the word. That verse says, this is, how, this is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. They received the word. They didn't resist the word. They heard it. They trusted as the very word of God. I pray that the same thing would be said of our lives. That 20 years from now, 50 years from now, if the Lord tarries, that, that people would be able to say that that family of faith for year after year after year, those households, that larger household of faith, they receive the word as it is, the word of God. Verse 2, we continue to see how Paul is asking them to pray for him on mission. He says, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not all have faith. He's praying the word may run quickly without hindrance. And here's one of the potential hindrances. Wicked and evil people whose faith is in themselves and not in Jesus Christ. He asked for the same type of prayers in Romans 15. Persecution was a regular part of Paul's missionary journeys, a regular part of the New Testament church's experience. To this day, particularly globally and in specific countries and regions of the world, the church faces persecution from wicked and evil people. As we live on mission to make disciples of all nations, we must be under no illusion that the advancement of the gospel will not face earthly obstacles or that that race will not be strenuous. Or that there are not enemies to the way of Jesus and his good news. We must also understand that Paul, who wrote that sentence, was once a wicked and evil person. Persecuted the church. Attacked Christians. Approving of their death. Seeking to destroy and hinder people from following the way of Christ. Paul was once an enemy, now he's a missionary. Once an adversary, now he's an ambassador. 
once seeking to hinder, now he is heralding the message of Jesus Christ. So as we pray for deliverance from evil people, seeking to hinder the word, we must also pray for their salvation and conversion to Christ. We must be a people praying that the Lord would would continue to raise up some Pauls, once enemies, but now evangelists. What we, we, we must avoid slipping into this us-versus-them mentality, especially as culture goes more and more post-Christian. We have to resist this temptation to fall into us-versus-them, where the church sees the lost as adversaries to combat rather than people, souls to reach. As one pastor said, you, you can't scream at the world and expect to reach the world at the same time. We must remember, as Paul writes in Ephesians 6, in a section on spiritual warfare, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. The one at work through evil and wicked people is our spiritual enemy, the devil, which is where Paul goes next. Verses 1 and 2, pray for us. Now verse 3, you can pray for us because here's who the Lord is. He's faithful. Verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Paul's saying here is who the Lord is. He's faithful. He will strengthen you. He will guard you. And why again are we prone to see prayer as a last resort? Maybe it's just me. But Paul is saying we can express our dependence upon the Lord in prayer because of his unchanging goodness, because of his unchanging character, because he's strong, he's protective, he loves. Our confidence as missionaries is never in us. It's rather in the Lord. His unchanging character is the source of our confidence. Brother and sister in Christ, the enemy of the mission of Jesus will not win. And why do we know that? Because Genesis 3.15, the Lord foretells that Jesus will step on the serpent's head. And while that serpent will strike his heel on a good Friday, he will walk out of the tomb, alive, resurrected body, not as a ghost, but beating sin, death, and the devil. And then stepping on the serpent's head. Because what was foretold in Genesis 3 comes to pass on Easter morning. And then Revelation 20 promises us that one day the Lord will throw the devil into the lake of fire once and for all. Evil exists in this world, but it won't in the eternity for the people of God where peace and goodness will reign, where we won't even need the sun because the glory of God will be so good and so bright and so life-giving. The enemy is already defeated, loved ones. He still prowls around, tempting, deceiving, but it's from a position of defeat. It's from a position of defeat. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is the victorious one. He promises in Matthew 16, 18 that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And from the book of Acts to now, that promise has been coming to pass. He is building his church no matter the circumstances. The word is spreading rapidly in places that, that from the outside look plagued with hindrances. In, th in the spring of last year, the Gospel Coalition highlighted wh where the Church of Jesus Christ is growing the fastest. And the number one area in the world is, any guesses what country? China. That's a great guess. 
Any other guesses? Brazil. Good guess. No. I'll just read the article for you. In the last 20 years, more Iranians have become Christians than in, than in the previous 13 centuries since Islam came to Iran. In 1979, there were an estimated 500 Christians from a Muslim background in Iran. Today, there are hundreds of thousands. Some estimate more than one million. According to the research organization Operation World, Iran has the fastest growing evangelical movement in the world. The, sex, the second fastest growing church is in Afghanistan, where Afghans are being reached in large part by Iranians, because they understand the mission of Jesus. They haven't turned inward. They understand, I've been given good news so that I can share good news. So they go to their neighbor. They go as a missionary to reach the unreached people. We can learn a lot in this nation from Iran and Afghan believers who are going as a way of life in the midst of hardship, in the midst of seeking to be pressed down. It sounds like brothers and sisters, eternal family of faith, that are living on mission, going as a way of life. When the Lord who is faithful makes a promise that He will build His church, it comes to pass. There is a real enemy to the mission. We should pray, understanding the reality of spiritual war taking place all around us all the time. Jesus taught His disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our good and chief shepherd is faithful to guard and watch over his sheep. Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy 1.12. As he talks about suffering many things because of living life on mission, he writes, but I'm not ashamed because I know whom I believed and persuaded that he, that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Paul is writing to a Thessalonian church that has experienced persecution from the first day until now. So Paul is not promising to them this, that life on mission, that making disciples will be void of suffering or hindrances. He is promising to them the enemy won't win. He will be defeated. And leading to the defeat of the people or leading to the defeat of the enemy, will be the prayers of God's people. Brothers and sisters, do you see the prowling lion? Prowling? Tempting? Do you, do you desire to see the lies of the dark one exposed, held back, hindered, beaten? Do you want to see darkness pushed back, light overcome? Pray. 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 It's too simple. We want, we want to skip over it. We're too impatient. We want to move to anger, irritation, or indifference, or whatever. We pray. We want to see light push back darkness. We want to see hearts restored, regenerated. We pray. We pray. Dependent prayerfulness is doing cosmic battle. Dependent prayerfulness is doing cosmic battle. Far more than any other activity we can do in this life. Verse 4, Paul now shifts to praying for the Thessalonian church. 
We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. Notice that it's confidence in the Lord about them, not in, in their ability, but in the sovereign and good Lord who is alive and active in them. Paul has seen in the Thessalonian church evidence through their way of life that they were people who received the word, accepted the word, and then sought to advance the word. They received it, and then they proclaimed it. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 2, we see Paul share about how more about how the people responded to do, responded to the word and continued to do the will of the Lord, that their way of life was revealing it. He writes, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 10, we always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, verse 7, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for a son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. They received the word. We see that evidence through their way of life. And the word of the Lord rang out. I love that picture. It rang out like this church bell. Their faith, hope, and love was so compelling to the region that they were in. It rang out like a bell for all to hear, for encouraging other believers in their way of life. And in verse 4, we, in Second Thessalonians 3, Paul is saying, I'm praying that such an example will continue, that the word would not only spread rapidly in those who we are praying would be lost, or lost being found, but the word of God would also spread rapidly, be received in the church with God's people, among them. And then finally, verse 5, Paul continues to pray for them. May the Lord direct your hearts to Christ, or to God's love and Christ's endurance. May the Lord direct, meaning may the Lord clear away the obstacles. May he make the path straight toward these two realities, God's love and Christ's endurance. As God's people, we need to continue to grow in these two truths as we live on mission. These are anchors we need, postures we take on as ambassadors for Christ. God's love. Paul is praying that the hearts of the Thessalonian believers would be rooted and firmly established in love. That they'd be able to comprehend alongside all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. That they, know, that they know his love, experience his love, and out of the overflow of Jesus first loving them, that they turn and love others. That they go. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 that the love of Christ compels him to go as an ambassador. So may the love of Jesus compel us in the year ahead, church family. And then Christ's endurance, meaning the patience, the fortitude, the perseverance of Jesus. 
Paul's praying that they might experience the endurance of Christ demonstrated through his earthly ministry, including the Passion Week, the days leading up to his sacrificial death upon a cross. Listen to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God's love and Christ's endurance, these are anchors buried in the unchanging, rock-solid character of our Lord. Love and endurance that are not manufactured in our own strength, but we draw upon Him. Received through the Holy Spirit that has been given to every believer to dwell in and empower us to live a God-glorifying life. Anytime we as missionaries are drifting toward attitudes such as fear, insecurity, anger, irritation, impatience, weariness, bitterness, indifference, Anytime we are drifting toward those, it is a sign that we are running in our own strength, that we are drawing upon the dry well of ourselves. We're drawing upon the dry well of culture. May we draw upon the living water of Jesus Christ, Him abiding, we abiding in Him, Him dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit, And as a result, may that lead us toward a growing sense of God's love and a growing daily way of life of Christ's endurance. Throughout the book of Acts, we read of how the gospel is spreading rapidly. Here's four examples. Acts 6-7. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 12, 24, but the word of God spread and multiplied. Acts 13, 47, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Acts 19, 20, in this way, the word of the Lord spread and prevailed. We gather here today in rural North America because the word of the Lord continued to spread because disciples became disciple makers. They took the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, They took it to heart and they lived it through their daily way of life, making disciples of Jesus, generation to generation, person to person, close contact to close contact. Because they went. We sit here as evidence of God's faithfulness, that the word of God has spread rapidly and our prayers that would continue to spread rapidly ring out from this place, from our lives, from this church. So before we go back to singing, I would love for us to just to have a couple minutes where we are praying with faces and names in mind that the word of the Lord would spread to and that we would also be a people who would continue in the word, continue to grow up into Jesus. And as we do, that our faith, hope, and love would ring out for his glory alone. So let's pray and then we'll stand and sing. Lord, may the word of your name, may the gospel of God's grace spread rapidly to those who we love. Those closest to us, 
in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, and to the nations. May you reach the lost. May you seek and save those who are in need of healing. May you direct our path as your people toward your love and toward your endurance. May we draw upon your living water and the good news of the gospel day in and day out. May we continue to be a people who would honor your word, welcome it as as it truly is, the word of God. May you save and restore and reconcile. Do what only you can do. Teach us to pray, Lord. Remind us to pray. And may the faithfulness of kingdom workers, the fruitfulness in the kingdom abound because of a dependent prayerfulness among your people. We pray this in your name. Amen.